Hello and welcome to Giving Ventures, a podcast to help you grow your giving and change the world for the better. Each episode, we share innovative charitable efforts leveraging private philanthropy to solve public problems. I'm your host, Peter Lipset, Vice President at Donors Trust. This show is a product of Donors Trust, the oldest and largest donor advised fund focused on helping conservative and libertarian donors of all capacities simplify, protect, and grow their giving. My colleagues and I talk with a lot of groups doing great work. This show lets us share a bit of what we learn with you so you can discover new projects for your own philanthropy. The modern news environment tends to nationalize so much of what we hear, and in doing so, we often don't get the full story. As we heard back in episode 11 of the Giving Ventures podcast, there are really neat things happening at the city level to modernize and liberalize governments so that tax dollars aren't wasted, and we would hope fewer dollars are needed in the first place. Today, we're going to that in-between place, looking at advancements taking place in our little laboratories of democracy, the states. The uniqueness of our federal system means there are significant powers vested with state governments. States are big enough to try out new ideas that can be replicated elsewhere, and so I want us to explore some of the wins that are going on in the states, many of which have wrapped up legislative sessions that have seen good victories for free market ideas. Uh, there are any number of think tank leaders I could have brought on to have this discussion with, uh, probably more than would fit into one show. So I went the opposite direction and brought in just one guest to help us tackle the full gamut of ideas. And that is Tracy Sharp, president and CEO of State Policy Network, or SPN, as it is commonly known. SPN is the membership organization for all the free market, pro-liberty think tanks in the states, driving leadership development and information sharing and just general cross-pollination of ideas that is critical to the success of our principles. Tracy has led SPN for 23 years and has the perfect personality for dealing with the ideas uh, and the unique individuals that are strewn across our think tank landscape here in the U.S., she leads with a quiet poise and lets the think tanks be the stars, uh, but I'm going to cut through some of that humility today and make her talk about some of the great work that she and SPN are doing, but also let her brag on the work going on at the state level. So, Tracy, why don't we start with a macro question? Why do we need state think tanks? Yeah, well, thanks for that introduction, Peter. It's, it's great to be here. There are many reasons why this country needs market-oriented state think tanks, and I want to focus on a couple big picture, uh, part of the big picture value they bring. So first, let me lay this out a bit. Your listeners may recall Reagan's great quote that the federal government didn't create the states, the states created the federal government. That's something we, we never lose sight of here at SPN, that the founders expected the states to balance power, to put a check on federal power. And there's much work to be done, much ground to be gained back. So this is where the state think tanks come in. The leaders of these state think tanks live in their state. They take pride in their state, and they have the in-state relationships and cultural knowledge of how best to serve and help their people prosper so state think tanks push for more policy decisions to be made closer to home because it's customized to the state and therefore can be more relevant, responsible, uh, and accountable to the people who have to live under these policies. So this is why we've been relentlessly building free market movements in each state with the state think tanks as that uh, centerpiece of ideas so that we can generate that necessary resistance 
to ever-growing federal government pushing to try to make all decisions or more decisions uh, for us. You can't have self-governance if too many decisions are being made in D.C. So let me try to wrap that up to say one reason why we need state think tanks is to reanimate the states to balance power, to push decisions closer to home, and in short, you know, revive the federalism as the founders intended. And I guess it goes without saying that the political leaders uh, of either party are not going to necessarily come up with the ideas we need to push those uh, principles forward. Yeah, well, that that's a great point. And let me add, just on the political side, the reasons, you know, when our work, when the state think tanks work is coupled with a strong state leader like a governor, you can start to see real change in a state. The state think tanks are, are a counter to the, the boom and bust cycle of elections and seemingly good candidates who disappoint us. Uh, let me give you an example, and that's uh, when Scott Walker became governor of Wisconsin. There was already a developed ecosystem of market-oriented organizations in Wisconsin, an infrastructure of state think tanks with allies and litigation, messaging, and the grassroots. So they could rally around Governor Walker, but also hold him accountable, right? So an ecosystem like this can help a good leader like Walker be able to accomplish great things. And uh, and that's what's really game-changing in Wisconsin. So make no mistake, good candidates and elections matter. And so does an ongoing durable infrastructure of in-state support. I, I think of it as it's like wings of an airplane. You need both strong leaders and state think tank infrastructure to create that kind of positive change. And then let's talk briefly about SPN's role with this. So what what well what is your role? <laughs> well, well, let me make let me make it really clear that each state think tank is they're independent, right? They know their state's best. SPN comes alongside them as partners. One way to describe it is a SPN is is part accelerator and part venture capitalists. Uh, For years, we've trained leaders, we've provided millions in grant dollars, targeted grant dollars, and invested in messaging and polling. And we pull these leaders together into peer groups for mentoring and coaching, as well as comparing notes with each other to sharpen each other's peers. So in short, we do all we can to make these leaders and these groups better, stronger, faster, right? To be more effective at helping the people in their states. And once a year, we uh, pull around 1,200 of these leaders and influencers and investors together at our annual meeting, which has been characterized as a family reunion for the free market movement. And we'll meet in Atlanta this year in September. So hopefully I'll see you there, Peter. I, I wouldn't miss it. I mean, that's my hometown. So I've got Braves game. I've got all of my free market friends. I've got SPN conferences and knowledge. It's really a perfect, perfect storm of everything that I need. All right. So let's let's talk about some of the wins. Uh, in my mind, there's two kinds of wins. There are the cultural wins that are long-term and incremental uh, that often reach a tipping point and everything, everyone realizes that things are different now. We're, I want to talk about those in a minute. Um, but there's also the legislative wins. Uh, there are so many state legislators that have recently wrapped up in the past few months or so, and we've seen the fruit of a lot of hard-fought legislative battles, some 
that just emerged, some that have been years in the making. So talk to us about some of the, the biggest wins that we've seen in the states in uh, in the past few months. You know, given the current screaming headlines, not enough attention gets paid to reforms that, that really put money back in people's pockets that allow them to keep more of the fruits of their labors. And, and we've had some great progress on tax reform this year. Both Iowa and Mississippi passed historic income tax reform in their states. For example, saving taxpayers over $800, $800 a year in Mississippi and $1,300 a year in Iowa. That's just a start. And at least seven states this year passed some kind of income tax reform. So it's the start of more reforms and greater tax savings in the years ahead. Now, if, if I have a chance here, I want to tell you about an interesting, another interesting legislative breakthrough that happened in Arizona. And this has to do with union release time. Let me explain a little bit. Now, this has been years in the making, but the Goldwater Institute helped pass the nation's first release time law. And that is it bans government unions from making taxpayers foot the bill when public employees do union work. So, for example, if a teacher has a position in the union, they can conduct the union's work and get paid for it. What Goldwater did in the state of Arizona is to stop that. Through grant support from SPN, Goldwater launched an educational campaign to show how release time was diverting tax dollars away from essential public services. They created a tracker map that looked at uh, the Department of Corrections and largest school districts, city governments, put this all together along with litigation cases in, in different states. And, and Goldwater has a well-honed advocacy and legislative ability, and it's really a great model for success for the other state think tanks. So they introduced the model release time legislation to state lawmakers, spotlighted the fiscal irresponsibility of release time, and thanks to this research and data and their analysis, really just their leadership around this issue, Arizona lawmakers were persuaded to end this corrupt union practice. It's a big deal. It's a big win. And how... How replicable are these? I mean, when I think of the states and, you know, this laboratory democracy idea, part of the, the idea there is the good ideas then go on to other states. I mean, these tax cuts in Iowa, are these and in uh, Mississippi and the, the release time piece, are those replicable by other state think tanks? Yeah, that's exactly what SPM works to do by using the model legislation and then sharing these ideas uh, with the other state think tank leaders Part of what we did in the Iowa and Mississippi tax reform efforts is we sharpened that legislation by bringing in state think tank leaders from other states who are very accomplished in tax reform. So the model legislation was the result of a lot of great input and peer sharpening to make it useful in other states. And then once it gets passed, then we can help work with other states to customize it for their state help build the messaging and issue campaign to replicate in other states. Really, that's our motto is state solutions lead to national impact. So replication is very important to a very important component of what we do. Yeah, that, that makes so much sense. And uh, to me is 
I mean, to me is the the great thing about the work that you do, about the work that all the state think tanks do, is is that replication. And and it's not just uh, the the work you all are doing is not just happening with state legislatures and trying to get you know the elected officials. There's also an element of what's going on in the courtrooms as well, right? A lot of these think tanks have added litigation centers, and we've seen some positive wins there as well. You're right, Peter. Litigation is is a growing capacity within the network. Uh, there are 21 litigation centers now out in the states, many connected with, with the state think tank. And, you know, for such a time as this, uh, these litigation centers were behind uh, stopping the OSHA vaccine mandate. And so let me just tell you this story is, Leaders in this network, we saw this threat in early. This, we knew this threat was coming that the vet, that the feds were going to do a vaccine mandate through OSHA. We saw that in early 2021. So we hustled to pull together with calls and webinars to prepare the network for this. And in, and by November of 21, the threat became real. This OSHA rule under Biden came out and said that private companies with over 100 employees must ensure their workers are vaccinated or tested frequently or else they're going to lose their jobs. Our network was ready to move into action. They filed lawsuits. These litigation centers filed lawsuits in multiple circuits to stop the mandate from taking effect. I mean, this would have impacted 80 million workers but because of the network pulling together and other litigators in our movement, it was stopped at the Supreme Court. So multiple groups were filed, uh, including the Buckeye Institute, Liberty Justice Center, working with Pelican Institute, Mississippi Center for Public Policy, Texas Public Policy Foundation. So, I mean, there's a lot There's a lot more to it, but the, the net effect of all these groups working together is that they were able to stop it. There's an old adage that politics is downstream of culture, which was credited to Breitbart and about 16 other people as well. Uh, these national cultural conversations really do have the opportunity to define generations. And there was a time free market ideas were really part of the cultural zeitgeist, really in the 80s. You've quoted Reagan already into the 90s and the fall of the Berlin Wall. But I think I'd argue, I think most people would argue there's been a shift back towards more government solutions how can the state think tanks, how can SPN contribute not just to these legislative wins, but to really change the culture in favor of these ideas? Yeah, it's true. The culture has really shifted since uh, those days of Reagan in the night. I mean, even in the last few years, Peter, it's just been tremendous cultural shifts. Uh, there's a couple of interesting developments in the state-based network and, and some observations. Uh more and more state think tanks spend time and resources building bridges to influencers in their state. I mean, leaders across the spectrum who are more interested in solving problems and taking sides, reaching across the aisle to tackle common concerns like alleviating poverty and helping people get back to work. It's a it's a development of it's a type of bridge building that is less acrimonious and a welcome departure from the current politics of outrage. So we're seeing state think tanks are more acting more like state solution centers, willing to work with anyone who wants to solve these problems. And and in the process, they're really attracting a broader audience of allies uh, to solve problems in their state. So I would say bridge building is one 
shift uh, that is really helping reach and change a culture and it, it's best done locally and at the state level. I think another uh, something else we've noticed and we've put a lot of resources into this over the last 10 years is that these state think tanks have become much more adept uh, at bringing these market ideas to life through storytelling, right? Focusing on how real people are impacted by bad government policies. And they're telling these stories to growing audiences. And, and they, they use this, they're using a, doing an end run around the mainstream media or other digital channels that may be blocking them by going directly to constituents in their states with these stories and they're building up these large audiences that way. So so that that's another development driven by, you know, looking at a lot of data to try we don't just assume we know what people think, right? We need to really research and understand where people are coming from, how to tell these stories and connect with them in a way that uh, we can go around uh, the current cancel culture. Yeah, I'd say the shift towards more storytelling and better storytelling, not just more quantity, but quality improvements over the past decade or so has really been the biggest shift I've seen in the work that SPN done has done in the work that all the state think tanks have done and the national think tanks as well. I think the free market side has realized that it's not enough just to print a bunch of books and white papers and, and do all that. We have to tell stories. Uh, and actually, I'm, if, if all goes right, my next episode of Giving Ventures will actually be touching on that very subject and some of the people who are doing it well, because it's, it's huge. It is how you change the culture, right? Yeah, it is so important to not assume you think you know what people are thinking. You've got to get the data, the research, the messaging research, polling, and just getting out there, meeting people, this is better done at the state and local level in your community to get a feel about where the pain points are and then how to really speak the language of solutions to people at the state and local level. This is where the state network is is surging ahead and, and it's, it's necessary in today's cultural um, situation. Very necessary. Now, now, when you started at SPN 23 years ago, how many state think tanks were there? Oh, whoa. a handful. There were uh, 12 or so, 12 to 15. It's uh, it's really grown. From, well, when State Policy Network was started 30 years ago, there was just a handful. Um, and now there's 64, you know, at least one in every state. And Last year, the collective revenues of this network eclipsed $188 million. I mean, and that's just the state think tanks. It doesn't count the dozen of, dozens of important national partners that, you know, that we work with as, as allies. So um, this kind of growth and success, it reminded me of a conversation I had with Arthur Brooks where he, he said this about a decade ago where he described SPN and the state-based network as a conveyor belt of of new leaders <laughs> and really it creates a, a farm team right and i gotta tell you peter it's not that i'm getting older is that these leaders just keep getting younger all the time well that's that's a good segue into actually what i wanted to ask you about which is there there is this generation change uh taking place i feel like a lot of the founders 
are uh, at an age where they are handing things off and, and retiring or going onto the board. Uh, there's a lot of really millennial leaders in particular kind of taking the reins. I can think of Oklahoma and Tennessee and Illinois and a number of other state think tanks where there's these younger leaders coming in. Do you think we're at a pivot point in the development of the state think tanks? I mean, do you think that that generational change, if, if unless I'm being hyperbolic on that, uh, what, what do you think that's going to do to the network as it evolves over the next few years? Oh, it, we are at a pivot point, and it is happening, and it's very healthy. I think it's important not just to learn from, you know, I've been in this movement a long time, but we are raising up young leaders within SPN. So you can learn from the institutional knowledge of the leaders that have been around a long time, but that it is so essential to be raising up new young leaders. And, and and we've got a slew of them under 40 that are innovating, and it's, it's inspiring. Our, our Roe Award winner last year was Justin Owen from the Beacon Center of Tennessee. He's doing a lot of great work there. Uh, Connor Boyack from Libertas in Utah, who has been spearheading um, regulatory sandboxes, and including just a ton of, of new and exciting innovations there. Uh, Matt Paprocki at the Illinois Policy Institute. And Peter, it's not it's not just CEOs. There's a lot of young leadership raising up through the ranks within state think tanks that are going to be important for what we need to get done today and tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, and that young leadership ends up taking over as Charles Mitchell's Charles Mitchell did in in Pennsylvania, or Matt did up in Illinois, and, and a number of other places. And exactly, you know it. It's, we've got to have young leaders coming up, and, and we see it happening, and we spend a lot of time trying to cultivate that, too. I, you there's no time like the present. We don't want to wait until everyone's ready to retire. <laughs> we've got to have the leaders now. So we'll wrap up with this. If we are engaged in this conversation again next year, what wins in the states broadly or, or in, in individual states do you think or at least hope we are talking about at that point? Sure. You know, uh, we haven't even mentioned the, the ongoing K-12 education reforms that are gaining momentum in several states and have just really caught fire, I think especially since the Virginia election uh, awakened the sleeping giant of parents wanting to know, hey, what, what are you actually teaching our kids? So, uh, and by the way, legislation to allow learning pods passed in West Virginia recently, so there's another win. Which was an expansion on another huge win they had last legislative session, which we yeah, talked about ESAs, in a previous episode. Right. Yeah, so look for more of that in states. Um, more ESAs, pods, um, anything to give parents and children more choice in how to, their kids are educated. So that, so look, we're looking for that. Uh, I, I have to mention, too, that we're going to keep pushing on health care. It's a tricky issue to attack, but... Um, you know, like such as making the temporary COVID reforms permanent, like reforming certificate of need and telehealth. In the early days of COVID, these reforms helped save lives. So we need to make those temporary changes permanent, and we're seeing some headway there. And, you know, finally, it all comes down to the economy. With In these days of inflation, we've got to remove barriers to meaningful work. We've got to get people back to work help these states bounce back from the economic hit of COVID. So 
We'll keep pushing forward on regulatory sandboxes uh, to promote entrepreneurship and and strong campaigns to reduce, you know, counterproductive occupational licensing. So steady as she goes, we hope to have really a surge of wins next year. Well, we hope so too. Now, if people want to learn more about SPN, they can go to spn.org. But I imagine you also there have resources for folks who say, oh, I didn't even think about my state think tank. I want to figure out who is doing work in my state. Uh, you've got links to all those different state think tank partners there as well. Yes, we have a directory, easy to find, just a couple clicks on the, the website that has all the contact info um, and links to all the state think tanks, their phone numbers, all that. Um, we have a blog that, that is posted to the website. We have listservs. So lots of ways to to easily find this information and stay up to date on what's happening out in the states and trends. That's good. Yeah, if you're listening and have never really thought about the free market state think tank in your state. It probably has one uh, at this point. I think all 50 states have one. Is that right, Tracy? At least one, yeah. At least one, yeah, if, if not multiples. And um, they are doing really important work, and I can commend getting involved with them. I'm on the board of our uh, Virginia think tank, the Thomas Jefferson Institute, or one of the ones here. And uh, I think they just play such a valuable role, and SPN plays a critical role in connecting be being the connective tissue between all of those and, and keeping it all flowing. So Tracy Sharp, really appreciate you talking with us today. Thanks for the time, Peter. Appreciate it. Well, truly, we just scratched the surface of all that's going on at the state level, but I hope you came away with some ideas on the vast amount of work being done by these state think tanks, by SPN, Uh, and by these leaders who are out there really trying to advance our ideas at the state level in replicable ways so that we can be a nation that really is back in the zeitgeist of believing that free markets and free individuals can make things better and and help all of us. Do visit spn.org not only to learn more about the work that Tracy talked about that SPN is doing, but find your state think tank. I do encourage you to do that if you're not familiar with it. See if there's others. See, Reach out to them. Learn more about them. And uh, for those donors trust clients listening, we are happy to make those connections as well if this is something you're interested in exploring more with your philanthropy. Well, I really appreciate you listening today. I hope you came away with some great thoughts and some inspiration on what's going out there. Do uh, rate and review the show if you would. Sign up to subscribe so that you get the episodes right there in your podcast feeder as soon as they get released, which is generally on the second and fourth Tuesdays of the month. We'll be back soon with another episode and can't wait to talk to you then. In the meantime, visit donorstrust.org to learn more about ways we might be able to help you in your giving. All right, let's talk more soon. Mm-hmm.